the story of um, the elephant and the ten blind people, right? You know that story? You don't know that story? So you get ten people together, they're blind, and they get to an elephant, and one has the tail, and one has the trunk, and one has the ears, and one has the, the tusk, and one has the legs, and one, you know, the body. Ten people. And then they're asked, well, this is an elephant. Tell me about the elephant. Well, they can only each describe what it is they feel and what it is they experience. So you get ten different interpretations of what an elephant is. Now, none of them are wrong because they're just describing what they see. But they're incomplete. It's only we take all of these together that we get a fuller picture of what an elephant looks like. In a lot of ways, our interpretation of prayer is very similar. Because our expression of prayer, our practice of prayer, our understanding of prayer is also conditioned by a lot of different factors. In some respects, who taught us to pray? What is our own experience? What is our tradition? Okay. What is our understanding of who God is? I mean, our theology will say an awful lot relative to our prayer. If we believe that God is a vengeful and wrathful God just waiting for us to step out of line so we can get spanked, well, then our prayer is going to look a certain way. If our understanding of God is that God is gracious and loving and a provider, our prayer is going to look a different way. If God is somewhere aloof and out there in the universe, our prayer is going to look a certain way. If we know that God is intimate and present with us here in this space right now in our life, no matter what, our prayer is going to look a certain way. There's so much about our perceptions of what is the right way to pray. So, friends, quiz time, okay? Feel free to respond by, you know, show of hands or shout it out loud. That's okay. You can talk back to me. Um, so when it comes to prayer, eyes open, eyes closed. What's the right way to pray? Eyes open, eyes closed. Eyes open? Any takers? A few people, okay, good. Eyes closed? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, that's okay. Um, uh, physicality. Kneeling, standing, sitting. Kneeling? Yes. Yeah. Standing? No. Mm. Praying? Or uh, seated? Mm. Okay, got, got it. All of, them, yeah. <laughs> All of them. Oh, see, now I'm going to, we got to make a choice here, okay? Oh, now, now we're getting into the important stuff. What about your hands? Folded, clasped, open. All of the above. All of the above. <laughs> stick with me, stick with me. We're going to get there. Okay? But you get the idea. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, there are, there are traditions and, and, and people and places within the church today that there is only really one way to pray. And it's not that that's wrong. 
Okay? I mean, and don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not going to make value judgments about how you pray, okay? Because how you pray is unique to you. It's unique to your own experience. The same, same as with me, okay? Some of, the, some of my ways of praying, you might look at it and go, what is he thinking? And that's okay because, you know, sometimes it's good to ask me that question. Um, but it is so much more. It's not about whatever way we do it is right or wrong. But I wanted to walk you through this because prayer as a practice, there's so much more to prayer than just the mechanics of it, just the technology, our techniques, and the, and the physicality of how we pray. Because there's also the business of what do you pray for, okay? Praying to win the lottery, okay? Praying to the parking lot ferry that you get a close-in space at Costco, okay? <laughs> Pray that the bridge traffic in whichever direction you're going is light and breezy and easy. We pray for these things almost reflexively, I think, sometimes. But again, it's not about what's right and wrong, but it is about living into an expansive understanding of this thing that is so common to us that we call prayer. And this is where Jesus' teaching can, can help us bridge that gap. Because Jesus, you, you, you notice that Jesus doesn't give any instruction at all in this teaching on prayer about the mechanics, about the physicality of any of it. Because what Jesus is teaching about prayer, before we even get into the hows and the whos and the whats, is it's rooted in a relationship that prayer is always about relationship. Prayer is always about our relationship with God to start. So let's unpack this. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It places God in a particular relationship with us. Now, wherever heaven is, up, yes. Watching the ocean, yes. Watching a sunset, yes. All of these are expressions of an intimacy with the God who created it all. Our God, our Father, who art in heaven, holy be your name. In other words, you're God and we're not you. That immediately sets the nature of the relationship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You see, the God with whom we are in a relationship, this God with whom we share this communication that we call prayer, has agency. He has purpose. God has something in mind for this creation. God has something in mind for the part of creation that is human and non-human. God has a purpose and the why I choose to say purpose over will is the subject of another sermon, or we can discuss it in second cup a little more fulsomely if you join us uh, afterwards. Forgive the shameless plug. But 
God has a purpose. And our prayer is about understanding and aligning with that purpose. Your kingdom come, your will be done, your purpose be realized here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And it's not just about food. I mean, it is about food and recognizing God's providential care. But more fully, this passage intends to lead us to a place of, oh God, give us the things that we need in our life. Food, yes. Relationships, yes. Faith, yes. Peace, wholeness, healing, yes. All of these things we need in our life, all these things we need to experience so that we might live fully into who it is that God creates us to be. Give us today the things that we need. Remember the story of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for an extended period of time that's, that's marked as 40 years. Remember the story of the manna, this miraculous feeding where every day God provided manna for the Israelites with just ba one basic instruction. Only take what you need for today. Because if they tried to take more, if they got a little bit greedy, if they got a little bit fearful, and they took a little for the extra day or that midnight snack, and it wasn't what they needed, well, it spoiled. Except on the Sabbath. When they weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath, that day they were able to take two measures worth. But this was about helping Israel to trust God. That in our relationship with God, God can and does provide not just the things that we want or desire, but about the things that we need. Now, I'm going to circle back to the beginning because one of the things that we don't often talk about in this prayer is the fact that it is fundamentally a community prayer. When you're praying the Lord's Prayer by yourself, do you say, my Father who art in heaven? No. Every time we pray it, whether we are by ourselves, aloud, or in our heart, or within the community of faith, it is always our Father. Our God. So that immediately puts us in, in a specific relationship with one another. It's not just about me, and it's not just about what I want, but it's about us. We always, even when we're alone, when we pray this prayer, we come as a community. We come equally as a community to embrace the God who is there with us. A God who expresses a purpose for healing, wholeness, and community through Christ. A God who can care for what we need and not just what we want. Our Father. Uh, and then forgiveness. Forgiveness is tough. 
Forgiveness is a hard thing to do, especially when we realize that within this community there are people who hurt us and there are people whom we hurt. Brokenness within the human community is a reality. Sometimes it's intentional. Most times it's unintentional, but it does happen. Forgiveness is the ability to trust in God's healing power within this relationship. And forgiveness isn't about, okay, this person, um, and I've shared in various venues, um, I was raised by an abusive father who for most of my life would abuse, you know, emotionally abuse me regularly. Even when I'm up into my 40s, it was always... One of the most liberating things that I could do was get to a place in my heart where I could forgive that offense. Did it change his behavior? No, it didn't. But it liberated me. I didn't have to carry that burden anymore. And I was able to lift him to God and hope and pray that one day, one day, somehow, some way, the light would go on and he would get it. I'm sorry to say that that never happened, but that didn't stop me from trusting that it was important for me, for my health, my wholeness, my faith, to be able to forgive that offense. That's a unique situation. But we all have these moments in our lives, these relationships that can be really fraught sometimes. And forgiveness is about the ability to let go of that hurt because here's the here's and here's the part that gets that gets a little wonky sometimes this business of if we don't forgive then we won't be forgiven like somehow God's forgiveness is conditional i think that there's a deeper intention there if we are not able in our heart to forgive other people if we hold on to grudges if we hold on to hurts and we let that separation, that wall, that chasm exist between us, then how can we possibly know what it means to be forgiven by God or by anybody else if we're, we aren't able to forgive? And that's a tall order. That's a tall order. But if we are going to live faithfully as Christ followers in this world, if we are going to be able to reflect the grace, the promise, the hope of resurrection that we celebrate every Easter, then living into this prayer, not just praying the prayer, it's easy to just pray the prayer, but living into the prayer in every aspect of our life, is a discipline. And that's where the other part comes from, the last part that I would share. Now, we a lot of times will pray, lead us not into temptation, as if we're afraid that God is going to like open a trap door and you know, send us through. Okay, But how about if we, we shift and we pause just a little bit, that the prayer is, lead us. We're praying to God, lead us. Lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us, that we're not being led by something, somebody else, into temptation or into evil or into breaking community or into selfishness, that we're not letting somebody else lead us to that place, but we are praying to God, 
you lead us. You lead us, we'll follow. Lead us into your purpose. Lead us into your vision. Lead us into your hope. Lead us into new life. Friends, this this prayer resets relationships with God and with one another. This prayer is an open gateway for us to understand and experience God more deeply in our life, to understand and experience the depth of God's love for us, for you. God does love you. You hear that a lot. But God does love you in this prayer resets our relationship with God where we can understand and we can experience that love more and more deeply every day in our life. That we then may have the faith, the wisdom, the courage, and the understanding then to share and reflect that same grace to the people that we see in the world. (laughs) To pray for, as Jesus says earlier, to pray for our enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And the prayer is aligned with this. It's not not that we pray that they step in a hole, literally or figuratively. We pray We pray for them that they might know new life and healing and wholeness. And you give that to God. And that's between them and God. But by praying in this way, it liberates us. It liberates us into a new life. Friends, the mechanics, the mechanics are what they are. Sometimes I'll kneel, sometimes I'll sit, sometimes my hands will be folded, my hands will be open, my eyes will be open, my eyes will be closed. The mechanics are what they are. And as the expression goes these days, you do you at that point. You do what makes sense for you. You do what feels like it connects you to God. But make sure that whatever it is that you do, that you are seeking the God who seeks you. That you make space for the God that makes space for you. And as you have been given, so then you share. Amen.